What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another podcast here at City of Hope Church. We are currently in week number eight of our small group podcast, and we're going through this book here. We're currently in the chapter Spiritual Renewal. The book is called Kingdom Vision by John Tyson and Susie Silk, and in this episode, we're going to be covering roughly pages 145 through 162, and we're going to be talking about discovering your evangelism style. Now, I think um, this episode can probably be summed up with what he says here in the, the first page on page 145. He says, The good news of Jesus' victory and new birth through the Spirit is not meant to be contained or hidden, but to be lovingly and joyfully shared with those around us. And so we're going to be talking about how we do that. And uh, Clay, I don't know about you, but I think when it comes to sharing the gospel, this is oftentimes one of the most intimidating parts of the Christian faith. Um, we're, we're good with you know ourselves in terms of coming to church and reading and praying and doing those things, but when it comes to actually you know sharing our faith with other people, sometimes we can be really held up and we think that it's it's that that side of faith is left to the preachers and to, yeah. you know, people like that. And so uh, what I, my hope and prayer through this is that by the end of it, people feel equipped and empowered uh, and realize what such a, you know, such a responsibility and what, what an honor and, and what a, a role that they have to play in this thing is, you know, it's, um yeah, I was praying there several weeks ago and, and, just kind of seen, you know, if, if if you will, that you know this, you know, as far as City of Hope Church and church in general, you know, it's it's one thing, you know, to ha- to have good church services and to, you know, we're you know have a a strong community here, but really when it comes to reaching the world, you know, it's it's like a root system, you know, it starts, um, you know, in our in our own hearts individually, and and then it goes into our homes and then to our workplaces, and and you, yeah, I just kind of even saw this like web if you will uh of you know basically individuals realizing of what their part is and how how powerful that the gospel message is and how you know the responsibility that they have and when they get a hold of that and they are empowered and equipped to do that they can begin taking it out into their platforms and 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 to those who that they yeah. can reach and and from there you can just see it spread like wildfire and so i hope people leave this uh feeling that empowerment that they can take the gospel message anywhere yeah no and i, I think like you said it it evangelism is something that god calls every believer into it's not something that is just for an evangelist in particular or a pastor or a preacher so to speak that every person who gets saved the same spirit that began a spiritual renewal in you is the same spirit which will drive you to bring others into spiritual renewal as well. And I, I was preaching this morning to a bunch of guys and uh, talking to them about Moses. And, you know, God brought brought Moses out of Egypt, but it wasn't just that he wanted to get Moses out of Egypt. He wanted to get Egypt out of Moses mm-hmm. so that he could go back into Egypt and bring others out as well. And he's doing that same thing in us. He wants to bring us out of the enslavement of sin and the bondage to this world system and all those things. But once he does that work in us and gets us free from that, brings us out of it, then gets that stuff out of us, his intention is to equip us with the Spirit to go back in and bring others out as well. And it's an essential, I think. I think the reason we don't see the church 
having as much of an impact as is possible is because we've not all kind of embraced this commission, the Great Commission. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples. And uh, a disciple is, is somebody who is, who is going to take the yoke that Christ himself had upon himself and reach the world the same way that Christ did. And we all do that together as the body of Christ, and it functions in different ways through each of us, but together we're to evangelize and, and reach the world. And Jesus, you know, Jesus sent them out. Luke 10, it says, out of the gate, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. And see, the issue uh, was not with the lack of harvest. It's not that people aren't ready to get saved. It's not that it's hard to get people saved. People are ready there it's ripe for a harvest the issue is the lack of workers who are willing to take the step of faith and do the work that it takes to reap the harvest yeah i thought it was interesting he shares a statistic here at some point in the book and yeah so it it was um in 2016 this study was done and essentially it says 51 percent of americans who do not identify as christian would be willing to attend a church service or a Bible study if a close friend or coworker invited them. Yeah. So even for those who aren't necessarily Christians, over half of them would be willing to come if a close friend or family member asked them to come. And so sometimes, you know, we automatically we're a little bit defeated from the from the gate. It's like, well, yeah. as soon as I say this, they're just going to reject it. Yeah. And we might be surprised at how often they might not reject it. Yeah, and you'd be surprised at, like, the power of a seed. Yeah. I mean, you may not see people instantly saved or instantly delivered or, or inst- you know, just fall down on their face because you shared the gospel with them and cry yeah. out, Lord, save me. But what I found is that most of the people that I've seen really get saved in my life, it started with a seed yeah. that that it looked like to me on the outside at the initial conversation I had, nothing happened. Like, yeah. oh, man, you know, I did that, Lord, and nothing happened. Only to find out that a year later, two years later, in some cases six years later, that sucker took root. You know, I had a buddy uh, from Corbin come to church this Sunday. He was, he came to visit church, but that was a man that that I witnessed to when I first got saved, and and he called me six years later and said, "Man, you remember that time you 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 came into my house and shared the gospel with me?" He said, "I never forgot about that." He said, "I gave my life to Jesus this morning." Wow! And and so, so six years—that's awesome. Uh, a six-year seed there that that over time took root and sprouted up. So you know you you have to be willing to 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 do what God's called you to do and let Him take care of the rest of it. But yeah. if you don't do it, I mean, there's there we we go seedless. It's in you know you can scatter seed. And some of it may take root and grow something, but if you never scatter the seed, there's nothing going to grow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's one big element of it. But, you know, I really feel like I shared a word with somebody the other day. We were in a prayer night there on a Friday, and I just got this vision of, uh, is actually Regina Russell, but I, I just saw her all of her life just planting these seeds and, and, and smiling because she saw these things growing and she was reaping harvest throughout her life. And I just saw, you know, 
where she was at in life right now. But she just looked at the rest of the field, and she saw some some extra field that hadn't been sowed in yet, and she just joyfully sort of walked over into it and started sowing the seed. And I saw that what what was producing in that was greater than ever before. And I just felt like the Lord impressed me to tell her that, that she's seen a lot of good harvest in her life, but the greatest harvest that she's seen is yet to come. Mm-hmm. And I shared that word with her and prayed over her and stuff like that. And uh, not long after that, her I think it was her son-in-law got saved like a week later. Wow. And uh, and we were talking about it, and I was like, you know what? The harvest has begun. And she was able, she's been going to church with him at another place some and just like trying to trying to support him and strengthen him and encourage him. But he's probably, you know, he's he's a man in his in his 40s, I'm sure. And uh, and I don't, but but. God, the the harvest is ripe. It's just right. a matter of of us coming into agreement with what with what the Lord wants to do. And I think we're honestly in a season that if we will take steps of faith, we'll see God start to really save some people in ways that are beyond us because that's what He wants to do. And I think a healthy church, I think we we in in the religious circles that we're in 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 southeastern Kentucky. We just see a church as basically we say stay at the same numbers all the time. We don't ever really grow. You might see people saved, but you see people saved sort of at the same um, at the same rate that you see people leaving the church. Yeah. So every church just sort of stays at the same attendance, and and you know people get saved, but people leave and quit too. Mm-hmm. But I think a healthy church that is doing what God's called it to do. And saints are being equipped and disciples are being made and those people are reaching people and they're becoming evangelists. I think you continue to see growth that, like you said, expands. And at the very least, you're at least sending people out to go plant churches or do other things or get involved in other ministries or the ministry itself is expanding. You shouldn't see a church that year after year after year sees a couple people saved. You know what I'm saying, and mm-hmm. then and then and then they just stay at the same sort of momentum their entire life, and just randomly see somebody saved on occasion. Now we should be we should be reaping a harvest, yeah, and seeing souls saved. God wants to save thousands of people right here where we're at. Yeah, it's really easy to get comfortable. I feel like, and you know, people get into you know we we often forget where we come from sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, once we find the Lord and everything's good for us, we get in our circles and our community and everything's comfortable and you know when and and we're experiencing that right now you know we went to two services and honestly that's not we we prayed into that for well over a year Mm -hmm. and it would be you know on paper much easier to stick to a one service i prefer it but but you know the lord is calling us into something where we want to make room for people and and change is scary sometimes and that's the whole reason you know through prayer that's the whole thing that i felt like the spirit was saying to me this is not about preference. This is about the fact that I want to reach more people, and I need you to come into agreement with the harvest that I want to reap. Yeah. And so it's a step of faith because you're believing that if we continue to do what God's called us to do, you've got extra seats now available for people. And what you're believing is is if we will evangelize, we'll invite people to church, we'll go out and share the gospel with somebody. This is a prophetic declaration. We believe God's going to reap the harvest and fill these seats, and yeah. we're going to see people's lives transformed. Yeah. So, in a, But if you, if you just have all your seats filled and you're like, we're good, man, we got a full church. Well, you're making it about the fact that you're having a good church 
experience rather than the, 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 the priority that Jesus is willing to leave the full church in order to go reach the one that doesn't yet know him. Yeah. And so we have to always have that evangelistic mindset is that the reason we exist, again, number one, worship God. Number two, equip the saints. And number three, which it all culminates and flows to, is reach the world with the yeah. gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're missing any one of those things, you're gonna be, you're gonna be in a pickle as the church. But I think sometimes we get content with uh, uh, worshiping God and then hearing the content and us being happy with our church experience. Yeah. And we forget that we're actually called to reach the world. Yeah. And I think maybe more than anything, perhaps that's where we're at. Yeah. Um, and we've got to drift into this, this thing of you know what God, you've called me. There's people that you've called me to. That I that through your power we can change their eternal destiny. Yeah, and and that's that's crazy to think about. It's such it's such an honor and a blessing. And when you when you experience it one time, it's like a, I mean it it's a hit that you say, man, I need. I think I may need a little more of that. Yeah, it's so powerful. That's honestly over the past few weeks, what I've felt really strongly in my spirit is just this. I feel like more, now more than ever, people are hungry for truth genuine truth and and they seek transformation they they look around in the world and they see all the things that's going on and they see the brokenness and it's almost just like you know i think people are kind of fed up with all that and they they really want they're really hurting they're really broken and they really need to need life and and we as christians have found found that and and how important is it that we take that responsibility upon ourselves and and realize that through him that we can we can reach people you know even in our small group um we, we were sharing this past week and the lady was just you know she's on fire for god and she's just telling us about all the wonderful things god's doing in her life and her family and she's sharing with co-workers and praying over them and inviting them to church and you can mm-hmm. just you can you can literally see the life change that's taking place and it's such a beautiful thing um, to see the Lord moving in people's lives, and like you said, changing generations of families. Yeah. Um, and 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 you know, getting into this book, you know, I think it's really cool because he he goes into these nine different evangelism styles, and you know, sometimes I think we can uh, realize that there's multiple ways to share Jesus. Um, that there's, uh, you know, sometimes we think it just has to be one way where you walk up to somebody and lay out the whole gospel and you have to know all the answers and you know you have to you know go into this deep thing but there's a lot of different ways in which we can reach people and that's what's really interesting and cool about this book is he he talks about these nine different styles that we can we can use in a a variety of ways and he challenges us here you know as we go through this as you read this yourself or as we talk about them you know just just pray into it and ask the lord to highlight um some different ways that you can begin sharing the gospel in these ways uh, even this week around the people that you're around. The the first style that we'll jump into is called testimonial style. And this is simply sharing how Jesus changed you and has given you new life. It's sharing your story with people. You don't necessarily have to have all the answers to everything. Um, and he, he references here John uh, chapter 9. And basically there's a, a man here, a blind man, and after Jesus heals him, he restores his sight. There's a number of religious leaders that question the man about who healed him and why this mysterious healer did this on the Sabbath. 
and to all of their questions, the blind man simply says, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. So he's just sharing what happened to him. Although he knows very little about Jesus, he's still testifying to his goodness and to his power. Yeah, to his encounter with him. When I first got saved, man, that was, that was my main style because I didn't know a whole lot of Scripture yet, and I didn't have a bunch of philosophical answers to why things were. The only thing I could tell you was was what Jesus did for me. Hey, this is where I started reading the Bible. I started praying, started seeking the Lord. And, and here's the encounter that I had. And Jesus yeah. came into my life, man, and he set me free. Yeah. And um, and and then he, he built upon that. But even like the first sermon that I ever preached, I felt called into ministry. And they're like, oh, okay, well, you can preach Wednesday. And, <laughs> and so I was like, uh-oh. And, you know, I don't really know how to preach or what, what do I preach? And I, and like I said, I didn't know I was 22 years old and I didn't know the scripture that good, didn't know how to build a sermon. So what I did was I got up and took a few scriptures that had really spoken to me about what God had done in my life. And essentially I shared my testimony. And so often one of the most powerful things that honestly I can still share to this day when I go to people who haven't who haven't heard me speak, I will share with them what God has done in my life, what he brought me out of, the process of him him bringing me through deliverance to where I am now. And um and and sometimes like I said you don't have to know any everything and if they you know it's also okay when people come with questions and be like look man I don't know the answer to everything all I know is I know that Jesus is real yeah. and this is what I've experienced in my own life right. and I'm not saying that the answers aren't out there but I'm saying that if you'll give him a chance to, he, he very, he'll do the same thing in your life and and you know one of the things he gets to he gets to the question of in your life do people in even like do people in your workplace even know you're a Christian? Mm, yeah. Have you have you at least opened that door to make that clear? Like, what'd you get into this weekend? He says something as simple as just being like, "Well, we went to church," and you know, just opening that door about being a Christian and some of those things. You don't have to be like a weird, super spiritual Christian or whatever, but at least opening that door to testify about who you are, what God has done, and sharing with people what. Uh, what what God's done in your life, and that's pretty simple for anybody. If if Jesus has really saved you, you've got yeah. something to share. And what's interesting is when I was reading that section, I, I I actually wrote down here that it's a process. And when when you share with you know you share that with somebody, hey, you know, I went to church this weekend, had a Bible study, it was good. It may be a week or two weeks where someone goes through something and a door opens for you to you know they they know you go to church, they know you're a Christian, and they may. Yeah. want a conversation about something they may have a question yeah. or they just may hey i'm going through a tough time i know you're a christian yeah. would you pray for me yeah and so doors may open um you know through that yeah and that's and that is coupled with the second style which is the invitational style because if you're if you're with work co-workers or you meet somebody like if you feel led to somebody inviting them to church is is a is a big step because here's the thing there's things maybe you don't have all the words guess what whoever's preaching on sunday they've got they've got something prepared you know and then and not only that there's going to be open doors you know you mentioned i've heard a couple of times this week like and you mentioned it too that somebody had said i think caitlin was leading worship one sunday and she just she 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 said something about yeah about something very specific and it was it was it was uh a, a very simple truth, but it just, it seemed to penetrate a couple of different people's hearts really, mm-hmm. really strongly. And for that one person, it was like, this was the, that was the moment where I was like, I'm in this thing. Yeah. And she was even saying like, in terms of, 
you know, and, and that was honestly her approach. Like she's been inviting some coworkers and some of her friends to church, and she made the statement, you know, if 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 they if they if they'll just come, I know they'll encounter Jesus. Yes, if they'll just get here. So and and that kind of faith, man. Like I I think the faith behind, like most of the time, I think we don't invite people because somehow or another we've believed the lie that they won't like it. Yeah. Or or they are the well they don't believe like me. Well yeah. they don't right now. Yeah. What happens if the power of if you pray for them and you intercede and you say, God, when they walk in that door, give Clay the word to preach, give somebody else the word to speak, uh just let your presence be so strong that when they walk in that door they're convicted by the love of God, by the goodness of God, the presence of God. And, and you do it, like, have the faith to yeah. believe, man, if I can just get them there, yeah. God will do a work. And what's interesting is this person, in terms of style, like, our churches, they, they weren't raised in that type of style. Matter of fact, when they first came, it was like, oh, this, this is a little different. Bunch this of little, weirdos. This is a little weird. Kid. You know? <laughs> um, but what she did encounter was the presence of God. Yes. And, and she encountered, in a real way, the Lord in her life. Yeah. And it just, from there, it's, it's just set her on fire. External it's styles. Awesome. I think a lot of times when people are, are dealing, talking about the external styles of the church, oh, you're this kind of church. You're talking in terms of flesh. Yeah. That, that Those things are unimportant. You can go to multiple different styles of church, whatever that is, but, but the presence of God yeah. showing up and through his word and through his power, through his spirit ministering to people, that's what matters. Forget about what it looks like externally or the kind of music they sing. Forget about all that. Yeah. You know, let's 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 pray in such a way that we believe wherever anybody goes to church, they encounter the living God. Yeah. And I think sometimes what happens to people, and this just comes to my mind right now, but what happens to people is the setting or the style in which they experience God they begin to make an idol out of the style or the setting right. in which they experience God, thinking, well, this is how God shows up. This is the setting he likes. But just because you experience God in a certain setting or certain style doesn't mean he doesn't do it in other settings and other styles. <laughs> right. He does. So so you can put all those things aside and just and go after, like you said, the, the one thing. Yeah, Remember? keeping the main thing the main thing. Yeah. yeah. God's going to show up. Amen. Do his work. Here's my favorite style, the third one. Confrontational. <laughs> Just, actually, it's probably not my favorite <laughs> style, but I do preach sometimes confrontationally um, because I think sometimes telling people the truth clearly and directly and not beating around the bush may sometimes be the only style which is actually going to finally bring yeah. somebody to repentance. The style, I think, that really finally cut me deep was this style. Yeah. Uh, I heard a dude preach, and it was one of the most confrontational messages I've ever heard. And it went straight in the face of my sinful behavior and confronted it right out in the open and said, you got to repent of this. And, and, and 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 honestly, had I not heard that, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because so many people yeah. want to hang on to it or flirt with it. Well, let me think about it. Yeah. And I'm not saying God does his work in his own way, and people can let go of things regardless. Like, he can do it. But still yet, there's there's something to that of, of you know, like Peter stands up, and he, he preaches the Messiah and Jesus being crucified and eternal life, and he says, look, save yourselves from this perverse generation. Yeah. And then they were so convicted, they said, what must we do to be saved? Yeah. And so there's that heavy, that heavy message that brings conviction, and it and it forces you into a into a decision. Um, 
And I'll say this too, like confrontational also doesn't mean that you have to be hateful or, or yeah, mad. It's not angry. Matter of fact, it, it, it it's not. It shouldn't be. Just because you very clearly and directly say something mm-hmm. and it's the truth and it confronts your sinful behavior. Right. You know, that you know, if someone is coming at you in a hateful, rude way, obviously that's not what we want to do. That's not what no. this is. No, and I think what you that's a good point because I think sometimes when you hear that word confrontational you think of a big angry preacher just going off. Yeah. But more or less it's 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 actually very loving. It's so loving that it's willing to make make things sl- slightly uncomfortable yeah. by calling things as they are. Yeah. You're heading this direction, but this is what hap- has happened. God is real. Yeah. God loves you. God has sent his son to die on a cross for you. He's the only way back to the Father. Yeah. But you are in this current lifestyle of sin. You need to save yourself from this perverse generation. Yeah. You need to repent of your sins, turn to Jesus, believe, and be baptized, and uh, and, and walk in a new, new path and follow Jesus. Yeah, and especially this day and time where things are so muddy and unclear, even from like... In, in in churches, you know, the, the truths that are kind of getting, you know, people are taking this side or that side or saying this or saying that. It's, sometimes it's people, people need a very clear, direct word to say, this is what's true, this is what's not. Um, and so I think that's a, a good thing. Yep. Number four, intellectual style. So this uh, this style in particular helps to answer hard questions um, that we have about God and, and about life and, uh, you know, kind of going deeper into um, your faith. And because and, and the reality is, you know, I think there's a lot of folks who, you know, have some real deep questions about God, about about faith, and there, there needs to be answers. And so the, that's, a, that's a good thing, and this is a good style. Um, and I, I think that main style is this in in my mind. Like you talk about apologetics. So apologetics, if you've not ever heard that word, it comes from the Greek word apologia because it almost sounds like you're trying to make an apology, but it literally means defense. Yeah. So apologetics is is how you defend what you believe. Mm. Like here here's historically, um, we have we have enough evidence historically to believe that. Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. Like the, if, if uh, when it comes to scriptures and your question about scripture, we have enough evidence to, to tell you that what we have written in the Greek and Hebrew manuscripts are verifiable. And, and, and here's, here's what we, here's what we believe about this. And, uh, and so you're given a defense for what you believe, why you believe it and why, why it's true. And there are, there are many apologetics, um, that that teach you that and people who are apologists who wrestle with these big intellectual questions yeah. uh and frank turek is a guy i'm thinking of right now he he has a ministry called cross examined and he goes he goes into all these universities and you know you got all these liberal students that stand up and confront him with all these questions well what about this and he and he gives answers to them and so what he's doing is He's trying to pull down the strongholds of their thought patterns in their mind so that whatever strongholds they have that are bumps in the road that keep them from coming to truth, he's pulling those down so that he's removing any more obstacles that they have to truth. Mm, yeah. And so that's what the intellectual style is. If somebody has a lot of questions, then you're trying to help them answer some of those things so that there's less obstacles in coming to the knowledge of the truth. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It's good. The prompting style, this is a different thing. Like instead of them asking you questions, you ask them questions. Yeah. And you're like trying to prompt them to, confl- uh, you know, reflection. Where are you at in your life? Like, yeah, are, are things yeah. going? Are things going good? Uh, have you ever thought about death in general? Like, what is going to happen at the end of this life? Is there? Well, I don't know if I if I believe in, you know, any particular truth. Well, let's wrestle with that. Yeah. What truths are out there? Is there one? Like, can there be multiple truths or? Are we supposed to not know or is there, you know, and, and you start to ask some questions to get people to examine the condition of their life. And then there becomes an open door to to maybe involve, involve some, uh, interject some truth from scripture sure. in there for people. And this is important because, you know, like he says here, many people don't really even stop to examine their underlying assumptions of their worldview, what That's they right. believe when it comes to God, their spiritual yeah. life, what happens when you die, what, why are you here, you know, yeah. the point of it all. Yeah. And we just kind of skim over those deep questions and don't really even think about it. Yeah, major philosophical questions. Who am I? Yeah. That's a deep one. Why yeah. am I here? Yeah. <laughs> what is my purpose? Yeah. Yeah, and so. Yeah, so that, it's good to think. It's good to be, um, you know, yeah. To, to be, you know, exposed to some of those questions and, and kind of think about them and examine them in our own life. Yeah. Relational style is number six he's got in here. And th- this is this is generally like literally just making a connection with people to care for them, to engage in daily life with them. You could go to the gym with them. You could buy groceries uh, with them. You could, you know, take your kids to go play on the playground together. You go to a ball game together. But you just take an interest in their life, and you listen to them, and you see where they're at. And maybe you even look for open doors to love them in a particular mm-hmm. way. But you're just you're building a relationship with them where when you get into their life and they get into yours, they start seeing some Jesus in that. Yeah. And it, and it just becomes something that by nature starts to rub off on them. And you're, and you're really intentional and aware of that relationship that you're developing with them that's going to point them to Jesus. Yeah, when you're when you're close to people— and you have a relationship with them, they, they begin to see things. I, I don't know if I've shared it on the podcast before, but a buddy of mine and I uh, in college, we had this 8 a.m. class with this teacher, and, you know, and you, you kind of grow close with your professors. You're doing labs and everything else, and we would always come in, you know, pretty bubbly and on, you know, all fired up and everything else, and one day she just looked at us and she was like, why are you guys so happy all the time? Yeah. And so – well, you got you two guys. I know who you're talking about, and you two guys are the happiest dudes on planet Earth, too. So, but I think my response was, "Well, ma'am, it's a little bit of coffee and a whole lot of Jesus." Yeah, and right. so yeah, but but even stuff like that, little doors open. People yeah. do see differences in in you and how you act and how you respond to yeah. to life. So, yeah, I think Richard shared something the other day, which felt like a real compliment, but it was it was just a testimony to the goodness of God. But like whenever he first he knew me when I was young and I was a little bit crazy or a lot crazy, and then he and then we hadn't hung out with each other for a long time, and then after I got saved, we got back together, and he was just aware, like, oh man, something's different about mm, this dude, yeah. and uh, something's happened, and that was enough to like convict him to say, I need to get on the ball with this, with, yeah. with my relationship with God. Yeah. And uh, and it was just through relationship. We was working out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's important. Uh, number seven, serving style. And, um, you know, so this one is, is literally, I, I think, uh, it, a way to put it is being the hands and feet of Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, serving those around you, whether you're feeding the hungry, you're making 
clothes for people who are in need, caring for the sick, visiting folks in prison, meeting the practical daily needs of your neighbors, uh, buying a meal for someone, you know, helping someone, um, you know, fix something at their house or, you know, just being helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think that uh, those types of things, just just blessing people, serving people, it just gives them, it shows them a, a clear picture of, of Jesus. And when they see that, it's, again, it's going to open another door yeah. for that. Yeah. Number eight is the supernatural style. And um, this is one that, like, here's what I think. I, I had a conversation with a guy this morning, and he's like, man, I grew up in a church that, I mean, and I've been preaching my whole life, and I've been an older minister. And he said, my doctrine has been like concrete. And what he was basically saying in a nutshell is all of a sudden, after all these years, and I'm like 70 years old, I'm opening myself up to this reality. Yeah, the supernatural. That God is a supernatural God, that there are people, like like that, that there, are, there are gifts of the Holy Spirit. There's a power of the Holy Spirit. There's a presence of God. There's a true, vibrant worship. Uh, there's there's deliverances. People get delivered from demonic. Yeah. Like he's starting to see these things after 50 years of ministry yeah. and not just, you know, just sort of uh, reduce his, his entire belief system down to just simple doctrine alone, but power of God and, yeah. and, and, envelop, and bringing that into it. So. You know, he, right here he talks about in 1 Corinthians 2, I love what Paul says, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. Yeah. And, you know, if you look at the context of this, he comes into Corinth and says that to them. But he had just left Athens where he had used the intellectual style of evangelism. He had left Athens, I think it's in Acts 17, and then in Corinth, he goes, uh, Acts 18, he goes to Corinth. But he used that intellectual style. He's preaching to a bunch of philosophers, and he's trying to help them understand, and he gives a very philosophical message. It says, eh, a few of them believed. Hmm. I believe he probably had the Monday blues like most preachers get after a Sunday sermon. Like, that didn't seem to hit. It didn't seem to connect. <laughs> yeah. And he's crossing, you know, he's in a boat going to Corinth, and he's thinking, boys, what do I do now? Because yeah. that just did not seem to click. So he said, when I come to you in Corinth, I came, and I determined not to know anything among you except Christ and him. He said, I'm not going to try to convince you. I'm going to preach Christ crucified, and I'm going to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to show up so that your faith would not rest in another philosopher or another wise man or another argument. Like I could argue into this, argue you into this thing, but I was counting on the presence of God to show up and the power of God to be revealed so your faith would be in the power of God and not in yeah. the wisdom of men. Yeah, because when you experience the presence of God or you hear a word that just cuts like a knife, you know, mm -hmm. you can't argue that. No. No matter what anybody says, you know what you experience. It's the old timer said, I know that I know that I know. Yeah. And what they're basically saying is I may not be able, be able to explain it to you, but I, but it's so deep in the core of my being. I had an encounter with the power of God. Yes. And, and with the love of God, with the presence of God, that it, it's undeniable. And, and I think that's the thing. Like, there are, there are gifts of the Spirit. There are gifts of healing. There are words of knowledge. I tell the story about how I got a word of knowledge about a, a guy that was dealing with multiple personality disorder, and I got a name that 
that when I told him that name, it unlocked his heart to like this God thing is real. Yeah. He ends up getting saved, and then we pray for him, and he gets delivered from 20 years of multiple personality disorder and all kinds of other things, and now he's living for Jesus and, and yeah. got married, and I got to marry him to his wife, and That's he's awesome. got kids. And so, yeah, the, the power of God. And, um, you know, Paul even says, and I believe this is a reality for us today, if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. Yeah. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. And see, here's the thing. Sometimes we, we those of us who have doctrinal backgrounds that are opposed to that kind of uh, teaching, we we misconstrue what it actually is. The day, like we were talking about Caitlin earlier in that word, just really speaking to this person who's currently on fire for the Lord, mm-hmm. and that being a moment for her, when Caitlin said that, it was actually a little bit of a testimony, but also coupled with this is what God is doing. And when she said it, I felt in the spirit, okay, this is a prophetic word to somebody. Now, it wasn't, you know, like... It just meant that the power of God was confirming what she was saying in that moment. Mm -hmm. And two or three people came to me after and was like, man, that hit me like a ton of bricks. Yes. And that it, and and there's the secrets of their heart were laid bare before God. Mm -hmm. They recognize what they're going through and they hear God speaking that to them directly. And they say, this is God and they respond to it. And so that's what you want in the church, man, undeniable moments with the presence of God that the carnal, natural, religious mindset rejects because it's foolishness. Mm -hmm. But in the spirit, the people who receive it are like, this is the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, there's healings, there's miracles. These things are available Mm -hmm. and we need to, we need to believe that. So yeah, to be a church where people say, come in and they leave, maybe they didn't really understand everything, or maybe it was weird, but they can say, wow, God is really among you. I mean, that's, that's what we want. That's what we I want used right to pray there. that all the time. I used to pray that verse, say, Lord, I want people to, to say, you know what? God is truly among this people. That's it right there. Like when we show up on Sunday, that's why don't just come to church on Sunday, folks. Pray into church on Sunday. Yes. Like pray into it believing that when we meet, the God of all creation is going to show up and do something supernatural that only he can do. We can only prepare so much. I can get a good sermon together. Our worship team can get some good songs together, but we need the living God Amen. to pour his spirit out on hungry hearts. Yep. And then that, that, that takes an entire body that is thirsty and prayerful and saying, God, we need you. And, it, and, it, and I think it's demonstrated by how hungry we come. Is our worship vibrant, or are we just trying to get through three three songs? So, like, get to the word, you know. Yeah. Like, what what's our attitude in coming yeah. to church? And and we want to come hungry and expect God to do the supernatural. Amen. All right. Lastly, number nine is the responsive style, and this is simply about being available to respond to the Holy Spirit, His promptings, with a level of comfort, flexibility, and risk taking, empowered by Him. You know, I heard it said last at some point last year um and it really stuck with me but this guy was saying you know when it comes to the lord and following the lord you know trust the nudges yes it's those little little urges that you feel um maybe it's you see someone in the grocery store or you're around your friends and family or you're in a a prayer meeting and you just feel this nudge from the holy spirit to and 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 be flexible and be open to that yeah and and that's the thing if you're look 
you're, if you're going to really reach people, you're going to be nervous, you're going to be scared, and you will have to take a risk. And you will have to take the risk of looking like an idiot, of maybe even somebody rejecting you. You will have to take that risk in order to be obedient to God. But if you're praying and you're seeking the Lord and you're saying, Lord, use me how, how, how you want to use me, and you're open to that, you'll find that the Holy Spirit will nudge you and lead you, and he'll open those doors. And you'll know, okay, God's here in this moment. And I'm going to yield it to him and I'm going to respond in obedience and speak to this person, pray for this person, invite this person, whatever it is that he leads you to do. Mm-hmm. And, it, and expect that God will move and plant the seed or heal the body or whatever it is. Yeah. Give you the words to speak. Good stuff, Clay. Amen. Good stuff. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. And, uh, yeah, be in prayer. Take a look at these. If you've not read the book yet, you can, you know, read in detail about each of these. And so... We just thank you guys so much. We love you, appreciate you, and we'll talk to you on the next one. Yeah, win somebody to the Lord today.